Trust is uh, one of the priceless treasures in our world, and really nothing can be more uh, damaging than destroying trust. You count on mom and dad to be there uh, at some critical moment, and then they fail to show up, and trust is shaken. You give your heart to someone, only to have that uh, person drop your uh, heart on the ground and walk away, and trust is shaken. Invest in a business arrangement, but the other party proves untrue. You share a secret with a friend, but they reveal it to others. You put your faith in a doctor and only have their advice prove disastrous. And then worse, broken trust warps our view of God. We start to wonder if God can be trusted. If God is sovereign and good, then why did I lose this baby? Why is it so hard to find work? Well, why are my kids such a challenge and I don't know what to do? Why is my marriage in trouble? Why is my body letting me down? One of the big questions we face in life is whether God is trustworthy. Daniel 6 was written for Israel when they were in exile in Babylon. It was a time when Israel was tempted to give up on God. I mean, by all appearances, Jerusalem and the temple had been destroyed and God had been defeated. And Israel felt abandoned. Why not simply do as the Babylonians did? Disregard God. Disregard His law. Rationalize disobedience. Life would certainly be easier. Just stop obeying and trusting God. But God will have none of it. Daniel 6 speaks to Israel after Babylon has fallen. Israel is still exiled, but the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar and his son is no more. Instead, Darius, known as Cyrus, king of the Medo-Persian Empire, is reigning. And we pick up that story in Daniel chapter 6. If you have your uh, Bible with you or a Bible app on your phone, you may want to follow along. Let's pray together as we hear God's word. God, would your word enlighten us today? Enlighten us to the truth that your sovereignty means something. That you being in control allows us to trust. To trust that you will do what's right. Regardless of the circumstances we face. So help us to hear your word. To know your truth. And to discover you. To discover you. Our great God and our Redeemer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. 
but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. And finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to, to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, should be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty issued the decree and put it in writing so it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to, to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so Daniel's situation might not be changed. And then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They've not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. 
I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he's the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. There is no getting around life's brokenness. Our world is full of sin and evil. We face regular temptation, often asked to shortcut our principles. The lion of sin is always ready to pounce. King Darius was about to recognize Daniel's exceptional leadership, but the other administrators in the kingdom didn't like it. Daniel 6 says, They tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of governmental affairs. These leaders are jealous, but they can't find anything wrong with Daniel's conduct of government affairs, so they conspire against him. Three times, the author of Daniel says, they went as a group. You know what that means. It means they ganged up on him. First, they went as a group to the king for the setup. Oh, king, wouldn't you like to join the God of the Month Club? We could put your name in neon lights. Everyone would bow down. Then they went as a group to catch Daniel in his God-faithful deed, which didn't take much. Daniel's prayers to God were like clockwork. And finally, they went as a group back to the king and reminded him of the law he enacted, and they pointed to Daniel's guilt. His officials fell prey to sin and evil. They lied to the king. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed. Notice, Daniel wasn't in on this decision, even though he was one of them. I mean, we know what that's like in the church. We do it all the time. We go to someone and say, everybody is saying this about that. Right? This mob was so desperate to get Daniel out of the picture, they used whatever means available to get rid of him. Lying, spying, manipulation. They wanted Daniel out by any means necessary. It's the way sin and evil work. Sin tempts us to compromise. It's one of Satan's great strategies. Satan's battle plan was to promote the jealous feelings of the Babylonian administrators, to encourage lying and cheating. Satan wanted Daniel to compromise on his obedience and trust. Nothing big. I mean, Daniel wasn't being asked to reject God. Just skip prayer for a month. Battle against sin and evil begins always in our own hearts. Alexander Solzhenitsyn once said, If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a part of his own heart? 
Truth be told, we each try to manipulate life to our advantage. Sin can manifest in the jealousy of the mob or the temptation to neglect private prayer. Sin and evil seek compromise. We can't point to something out there without simultaneously pointing to the wrong in here. St. Peter sent an angel from the heavenly front office on a special assignment. Make a list of all the people who have sinned. And the angel tried to carry out his task, and the job was impossible. So the angel came back to St. Peter with another idea. St. Peter, he said, suppose I make a list of all the people who didn't sin. And St. Peter agreed. And in a short time, the angel returned from his travels across the earth with his list. And St. Peter studied the list, and he issued a new order. Everyone whose name was on the list would receive a letter commending them for their good behavior. And you know what else the letter said? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You didn't get one of those letters either, did you? (laughs) There's no getting around sin and evil. True, it can be seen in the wrong actions of others. But we all have sinned and fallen short. Sin lurks in our hearts, tempting us to compromise our faith in God. Our lives are are broken by sin. But faith offers us a place to stand. Trusting God offers us the strength to resist. We don't have to fall prey to the lure of temptation. No matter how difficult the situation, faithful believers can discover strength in God. I mean, Daniel had a chance to let his faith go south. From the time he was a teenager until now, in his 80s, Daniel lived in this strange land of Babylon. He was in exile, far from his home country, far from his parents, far from anything that had to do with his spiritual roots. But through it all, Daniel remained faithful to God. Oh yes, he supported whoever was king. The other leaders could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. But even better, Daniel was faithful to God. Daniel 6.10 says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room. Daniel never deviated. He followed the way of faith. Daniel was not swayed from putting God first Instead of a step-by-step descent into disobedience, he simply walked step-by-step on a journey of faith. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. In fact, it may have been the crisis that made Daniel's face shine. His enemies recognized the thoroughness of his integrity. They found no slush funds, no mistresses on the side, no cover-ups of any kind. Everything pointed to a hard-working, bright, dedicated, honest man. And they realized that Daniel took his faith seriously. And that's why they laid a trap. They knew he would never be unfaithful to God, and so they wanted his faith to kill him. No matter how impossible things got, though, 
Daniel did not forget about God. No matter what the threat, not even lions would keep Daniel from prayer. And notice, when the prayer, when the, the, the going got really tough, Daniel still gave thanks to God. Faith gives us a place to stand. Or maybe better yet, a, a place to kneel. Whatever lion's den you may be facing now or in the future, you can be faithful. When you face a lion's den, you'll be given the chance to come to the end of yourself and to do the right thing. Vanderbilt University has an honor code. All incoming students participate in, si in a signing ceremony in which they commit to refrain from lying, cheating, and stealing. And each student is expected to be truthful in their academic endeavors, their relationships with others, and their pursuit of personal development. Then their signatures are framed and they're hung in the Serrett Student Center, named after former dean of students, Dr. Madison Serrett. See, Serrett had a, a standard line that he would give before students took a test. He would say to students, Today I am giving two examinations, one in trigonometry and the other in honesty. I hope you will pass them both. But if you must fail one, fail trigonometry. There are many good people who could not pass trigonometry. But there are no good people in the world who cannot pass the examination of honesty. Whenever we face a threat to compromise, to live outside God's expectation, our faith is being tested. Like the Apostle Peter once wrote, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. Standing firm in the faith. A faith can shine even during a crisis as serious as facing a lion's den. But greater than our faith is our God. God comes through even when things seem hopeless. Only God can navigate our lives through a lion's den world. It's just like Darius proclaimed. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Daniel was not saved by his faith. Daniel was saved by God. Oh, Daniel stayed true to King Darius. He says, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. But Daniel gives highest honor to God. O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. Daniel's life of prayer, his, his life of obedience, acknowledged the highest power. Even the king was unable to rescue Daniel. He was subject to the laws of the Medes and the Persians. The, the king was forced to seal the mouth of the pit, but the king could not seal the lion's mouths. 
All Darius could do was join Daniel in prayer. May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Once a a 12-year-old Ethiopian girl was kidnapped. Seven men abducted her with the intent to force her into marriage. It's a common practice, uh, a way to secure a bride. Kidnapped girls are then beaten into submission, oftentimes raped. And this 12-year-old girl was one of these victims. She was held for seven days. She had no one within earshot to hear her cries for help. No human could hear, that is. But three majestic Ethiopian lions, the national symbol of Ethiopia, heard and came. Uh, Her whimpering cries must have sounded like a lion cub. And these lions leapt from the bushes and her captors ran. And then remarkably, the lions stayed. When the game warden showed up half a day later, the guardian lions stood and walked away. The game warden said, everyone thinks this is some kind of miracle. A miracle indeed. This helpless girl was delivered from the jaws of pain and suffering by a sovereign God who can even shut the mouths of lions. Repeatedly, the book of Daniel emphasizes God's sovereignty. He is the living God and endures forever. Chapter 1 told us how, how God protected Daniel and his three friends when they resisted the king's diet. And they flourished under God's sovereignty. In chapter 2, we discovered that by God's sovereign wisdom, Daniel was able to reveal and interpret Nebuchadnezzar's crazy dream. In chapter 3, Daniel's three friends faced a gold statue, an irate king, and a fiery furnace. But God saved them from all three. Chapter 4 told the story of Nebuchadnezzar being humbled to the status of a wild animal, but coming to praise the sovereign God of Israel. And last week in chapter 5, we saw Belshazzar destroyed because he failed to see the mystery of God's glory that was all around him. And now in chapter 6, we again meet the Lord God, sovereign over royal manipulators and even ravenous lions. It's not only Israel who needed to know that God is in control. I mean, look around. There's tumult, lying, infighting, disagreement on our streets and in our capitals. And if we trust that whoever we elect will be a savior, we'll only get some American kind of kingdom We need to be reminded that God is sovereign. And the story of Daniel is clear. We don't need to fear. We can have hope. Because God's in charge. God navigates our lives through every trial. God is bringing God's kingdom to life. With Darius, Daniel's on his third king. Clearly, the kings of Babylon come and go. But God's kingdom endures. The tumult of nations, the changes of power, they do not alter God's rule. 
Daniel is God's testimony that God's in charge. He, he was thrown into a, a lion's den, but God brought him out the other side. Jesus Christ is God's testimony that God is in charge. He was crucified on a cross to die, sealed in a tomb as dead. But God raised him to life. It's not our faith that carries the day. It's not us having the right answers. God carries the day. God is the one who rescues from the lion's den and raises from the dead. One of our church teachings says, Our hope for a new creation is not tied to what humans can do. For we believe that one day every challenge to God's rule will be crushed. His kingdom will fully come. And the Lord will will rule. Daniel showed great faith, but greater than faith is the God who makes our faith possible. Only God can navigate our lives through lion's den world. Only our God is a sovereign God over everyone and everything. The book of Daniel began in apparent defeat. Jerusalem was besieged. Young men were taken captive. All looked grim. But now at the end of chapter 6, at the end of Daniel's life, the full story has been revealed. We've discovered that God is the Lord of the universe. He rules over all leaders, whether wicked like Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar or faithful like Darius. And God delivers even in exile. God's in charge of lion's jaws. God can save from the lions that prowl in our world. God saves us from the threat. The threat to our obedience. The threat to our trust. It doesn't take much to see that we live in a, a strange land. And as exiles, we face the temptation to put obedience aside and follow our own instincts. As exiles, we face the temptation to put our trust in ourselves or in someone else, rather than trusting the sovereign God. But exile is a time of opportunity. As strangers in a, a strange land, we can remain faithful to God, trusting that God will deliver us, even in this fallen world, that God will bring God's kingdom to life. Let's pray together. Lord God, we need to be uh, reassured by your sovereign rule and your tender compassion that touches our lives so that we know we know that we can have faith and trust. Not faith and trust in our efforts or the efforts of someone else or some kingdom of this world. No, we can have faith and trust in you. No matter what lion's dens there are around, 
we can obey, we can trust, and we can know that you will lead us and that you will guide us into your future where you are all and in all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.